My name is Phil Stinson, and I'm an Associate Professor of Criminal Justice at Bowling Green State University. For this episode of the Police Integrity Laws Podcast, I'd like to revisit an area we've talked about before, and that's police shootings in the United States. We know that on average in the United States, about 1,000 times a year, an on-duty sworn law enforcement officer shoots and kills someone. And yet, only a handful of those cases each year result in an officer being criminally charged with murder or manslaughter. The reason for that is that most police shootings are found to be legally justified. In other words, under the relevant legal standard, which is Tennessee v. Garner and Graham v. Connor, two U.S. Supreme Court cases from the 1980s, if an officer has a reasonable apprehension of an eminent threat of serious bodily injury or deadly force being employed against the officer or a third person, then the officer would be legally justified in using deadly force. And it's important to remember that the reasonableness standard is that of a reasonable police officer. In other words, what would a reasonable officer have done in that situation? And the reasonableness standard that the Supreme Court set in Graham versus Connor is an objective standard. It is not a subjective standard. However, what we're seeing in some of these cases is that there's a legitimate question whether it's appropriate and even necessary to use deadly force, even though it might be legally justified. Over the past 12 years, fewer than 80 officers have been charged with murder or manslaughter resulting from an on-duty shooting. That's just a handful of cases. Last year, there were 18 officers charged, but over the prior decade before that, on average, there was fewer than five officers charged each year. In the cases where an officer is charged with murder or manslaughter resulting from an on-duty shooting, we see one or more of a few factors present over and over in these cases. Sometimes there's video evidence, and the video evidence could be dash cam video, body cam video, it could be surveillance or security camera video, and then now the fourth type of video that we see quite often is video from smartphones. Almost everybody seems to have a smartphone. Everybody's got a great video camera in their smartphone, and it's starting to make a difference in some of these cases. There's a good question that I have as to whether in most of the cases over the last few years, whether an officer would have been criminally charged but for the video evidence. Sometimes questions arise as to whether there's been tampering with body cam videos, uh, whether the camera itself's been tampered with. We've heard stories of batteries being installed upside down so the camera's not working correctly, it's not on. We've seen officers tell us after the fact that they didn't have their camera with them, that it wasn't turned on, that it wasn't working correctly. Oftentimes in these cases, we see some sort of scandal or cover-up present within the law enforcement agency that the officer works for. We also see officers make false statements, or at least they make statements that are inconsistent with the video evidence. Sometimes we have other officers who come forward and they say that in their opinion, the shooting was not legally justified. In some of the cases, we have an unarmed victim. We have a victim who's been shot in the back. In a few of the cases, the victim's alleged crime has actually been something to do with marijuana, but nobody should lose their life over a bag of weed or a loose joint. Now, in the cases where we do have videos, we're seeing some patterns in the cases in the last year or so. Again, we see officers who lie, or at least their statements are inconsistent with the video evidence. Either their recollection is faulty or they're flat out telling lies. Sometimes in these cases, the officers are not acting according to their law enforcement training. It's as if the officer had no law enforcement training at all as if they never went to the police academy. And then 
The third thing we see in some of these video cases, and we've seen this in a few cases, where officers have planted evidence. They've planted guns or planted some other type of weapon near the victim that they just shot in an effort to implicate the victim so that they later could say that the victim had a weapon and came at them, that the officer, therefore, would have been justified in shooting them. When I was a police officer many years ago, this type of situation was referred to as a drop gun, where an officer would have a throwaway gun and they would uh, place it at a crime scene in an effort to implicate the victim. Quite honestly, when I was a young police officer, I thought that was just a story. I didn't think it happened, but we're starting to see these things do happen. So if we look at the cases where officers have been criminally charged over the last 12 years in this country, and that's as long as I've been collecting and analyzing data, as of today, which is late September 2016, only 77 officers across the country have been criminally charged with murder or manslaughter resulting from an on-duty shooting where the officer shot and killed someone. And of those 77 cases, only 26 of the officers were convicted, 28 of the officers were not convicted, and 23 of them still have their criminal cases as of today still pending. And only three of the officers were females. Of those 26 who were convicted, 13 were convicted at a jury trial, 13 were convicted by guilty plea, and none of the officers were convicted by a bench trial where the judge is sitting as the trier of fact. Of the 28 officers who were not convicted, 6 were acquitted at a bench trial, 14 were acquitted at a jury trial, 4 had their cases dismissed by a judge, 3 had their cases dismissed by a prosecutor, and in one instance, the grand jury declined to indict. In other words, no true bill was returned. So it seems to me, when we look at all of this, it's business as usual. We have just as many shootings this year as we typically have in any year, and we have just a handful of officers who are being criminally charged. I think it's time that we take a closer look and really assess the situation in terms of who should be prosecuting these cases, who should be investigating these cases, and what type of people do we want to be police officers. I think if we don't make some sort of changes in this country, if we don't make policy changes, if we don't make changes in the way we treat each other, if we don't make changes in the way that policing is conducted, what we're going to see is business as usual. This is going to continue. There's not enough that can be done. Implicit bias training alone isn't going to fix things. We need to take a close look at this. And quite honestly, I don't see much hope for change in the foreseeable future. That concludes this episode of the Police Integrity Lost podcast. Support was provided by the Wallace Action Fund of Tides Foundation on the recommendation of Mr. Randall Wallace. This episode was recorded at Bowling Green State University in Bowling Green, Ohio on September 26, 2016. My name is Phil Stinson. I'm an Associate Professor of Criminal Justice at Bowling Green State University. For more information on my research, please go to www.bgsu.edu slash Police Integrity Lost.